So I want to talk a little bit about the second reading today, because we have in 1 Peter uh, a nice little line there. And uh, 1 Peter 1.15 says that we, as people of faith, always need to be ready to be able to express to anyone who asks of us the reason for our hope. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that is a, an important thing. Uh, because the great gift of faith that we have and what it does for us as making us people of hope should be, should be expressed in some way and it should be obvious in some way that, that it really does mean something to us. And people will recognize that and you'll notice the way he phrases that. It's not that uh, we go out and kind of cram down our beliefs on people, whether they're willing or not. It's, it's saying that, that hopefully we're living out our faith in a very natural way, that people will notice that there's something different about us, and they will be curious. They'll be attracted to that, and they will want to know about it. And when that happens, it's good for us to be able to know how to express our particular story, the reason for our hope. And so there's two things that we can think about in the first part of that. And it comes from a priest I know. His name's Father Ray Carey. And he was saying uh, quite a while ago, he said, really there are only two types of ministry. There's ministry of presence and ministry of action. So ministry of presence, he says, is where we don't need to say anything. We don't need to do anything. We just need to be present with people in their moment. And who we are and what we represent is sufficient. And he uses examples of people in moments of crisis or when there's some tragedy that they suffered. Uh, they don't really need us giving advice. They don't need us trying to explain the situation. Uh, they just need us to be there with them in that moment. And he also mentioned that for the most part, the most difficult times where we're struggling with, what do I say, what do I do? Uh, that we don't really need to say or do anything. We just need to be present. And that kind of lightens the load a little bit when it comes to how we respond to those situations. But not every situation is a ministry of presence. There are, are times when we need to be able to express our hope with ministry of action. So some obvious examples of this are, for example, if I have someone who, who tells me that they are being abused in some way, then I don't just say, well, I'm going to be present with you. You know, that there's a, a need for some action there, uh, that they need to have some support and resources and whatever they need to be able to, you know, do something about that situation. Uh, the same could be said when it comes to people who are in particular addictions, whether it's drugs, alcohol, porn, or whatever else, uh, that, that it's not in their best interest that I just say, well, I'm just here to be present with you. You know, they actually need some sort of ministry of action. And they need some, again, resources and support and some encouragement. They don't need me to enable it and allow it to happen. So ministry of action is something that is not only intended for things that need to be overcome, but also there are times when people will come to us and they want to have some advice or they want to have some way that they can deepen their faith. And they may ask you in, in all kinds of different ways. And so that's not where we just sit back and say, well, I'm just here to be here with you. you know, but it's one of the things that hopefully we've been able to develop over the years is we have a certain sort of wisdom that we can offer. Because the world is full of information. But there's a big difference between information and wisdom. 
Because information, for example, is like the internet. You know, it's just all this stuff. Uh, but when it comes to how to discern and how to act in a way that is truly good and wise, well, that's where maybe we have something to offer. And there are times when, as people of faith, we should offer that ministry of action by giving ourselves, you know, some role in helping people to understand what is true and what is good, you know, to have that wisdom. There is a certain process in this as well. And uh, I think if we understand this, it really helps us so that we don't follow the extremes. One, is, one extreme is we just sit on our hands and do nothing and just say, well, it's all God. Let him do it. You know, but the other extreme is to think that we actually are God and that somehow the, the whole weight of the world lies on us. And that's not true either. And so the way that I typically approach it is that I need to do my part to help others to come to faith in the extent that I'm able to be an influence in that. Uh, but I also recognize that I'm not God, and so I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Savior. That at some point, I do need to just say that I'm going to do what I can do, but I'm going to leave everything else in God's hands. I am um, also going to keep the door open in the future if there's any additional dialogue or any additional support or anything else that needs to come from that. Uh, but ultimately, I'm going to allow them to accept responsibility for their faith and for their own spiritual journey. And uh, I can give you an example of this. My, my brother, he's not what I would call the most active Catholic in the world. Um, I think he believes, but I can't really say that he usually is doing a whole lot about that. And uh, he's grown a lot in the last, you know, 20 years or so, but he's not to the point now where, where you would consider himself a, you know, strong, active, practicing, witnessing Catholic. Uh, and there was one time when we were, we were just talking about things, and, and he said, Mike, I know that you're worried about me. He says, I know that you want me to be this kind of Christian, and you want me to believe these things. And, and, uh, and he goes, and I know, I know it's something that bothers you, and... I said, Scott, no, that's actually not true. I'm not really worried about it. I say, you're an adult. You can accept responsibility for your own life. You don't need me to do that for you. I'm okay, actually, being who I am and allowing you to be who you are. And I'm okay allowing God to do what he wants to do with you. And actually, the little back story to that is that it wasn't that long before that I had this dream that my brother had passed away and he was, he was there at the pearly gates and then God came down and intervened and brought him to heaven. And so it was a dream, but still, sometimes I think God just does these things because he wants us to know that he can do what we can't. You know, I can't, I can't force my brother to conversion, and I can't make him how I want him to be. I have to trust that God can do what I can't, and God will do it in his time, and I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with that. So I don't have this anxiety and I don't have the stress or worry or anything like that because I figure this is beyond me. I can let God do what he wants to do. Now, those moments that come up in, you know, in, in my brother and I's relationship, if I can be a positive influence, I will do that. I'll pray for him. Uh, if, it need, if I need to be able to uh, you know, say what is, is true or what is you know, the, the belief system that we have. And I, I will do what I can, but I also recognize that, you know, God's in charge here, and I don't need to be the Messiah. And I'll just keep the door open in the future and see what God does. But I think there's a certain, uh, a certain beauty in that, you know, that, that we don't need to think that somehow we are in control of all that stuff.
Now, more importantly, you'll notice what St. Peter says there is always be willing to give a reason for your hope. And so we all have a different reason for our hope. So why is it that you believe in God and hope in God more than belief? Because belief doesn't mean much. You know, but if you really do hope in God, like why is that? Can you articulate that? Well, I have a long version and a short version of that. Um, but the short version is um, I'm a person of logic and reason and science and philosophy and all this sort of thing. And for me, I came to my realization of faith mostly through an intellectual conversion, by looking into it and studying it and, and really coming to see that the only real good explanation for everything that is really does go back to the idea that there was a God who created all things, who loves us and saves us and brings us into a different kind of life. And my hope is recognizing that since I'm not God and He is, that He actually can save the world. And so my hope is in what is logical. But at the same time, it's not just logic, because over my lifetime I've had several experiences of the power of God in my family, in my vocation, in the lives of others, in different healings, in different miracles. You know, so it's a combination for me of what is real, logical, and and true, as well as the experiences that really back that up. That's a short version. But anyway, for you, that might be something you want to think about. Like if someone were to ask you, why do you hope in God? You know, just think about how you would respond to that, because it's good to kind of know your own story. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is, is, since it's Mother's Day, just talk about being a mother for a little bit, uh, since I am an expert in being a mother. And... <laughs> Obviously, I'm not, but so this last weekend, we had First Communion, and one of our wonderful cute kids shared a cold with me, and uh, I was, I was uh, kind of whining a bit about it, because we had two First Communions and two Confirmations, plus the regular Masses and everything else, so I'm in the office, and I'm talking to Janelle, and I said, I just wish I was a mother, because then I would never get sick. And she said, you're right, because we don't have that option, you know. <laughs> so I was just kind of kidding, but there's a certain element of truth to that, you know, that, that to be honest, and now someone's up. No, to be honest, mothers are tougher than men. It's just kind of the way things are, because there is something unique and different and special about being a woman, about being a mother. And that primary vocation of being a mother doesn't mean that all women need to be mothers, but it, but it does say that there is something special about how God designed the world that women could be co-creators and to bring new life into the world through them. And the type of love that mothers have, that nurturing is not something that should be diminished, but should be honored and should be respected. And this is something that I think we are losing because you will hear in the, the common language of the culture, it's like, oh no, to be a self-actualized woman uh, that means that you need to seek your passion, seek your careers, do your thing. And, and it, it's all this external stuff, but it has nothing to do with how they were truly created. And, and I think that's unfortunate, you know, because one of the great things about being a mother is that God has put you on this earth with a, pacific, a specific role that no man can fulfill. And that's a wonderful thing. Now, in addition to that, as a mother... Your primary role is 
to, yes, take care of your kids, to care for them and love them in a, in a way that, that is unique according to your motherly style. Um, but there's also this instilling values and morals and what is good and what is true in your children. When I think about what my own mother has done and is doing for me, um, I, I truly honor her because I know that she is a great mom. I'm, I'm really blessed in that regard. And she did protect me, and she helped with healing, and she was one who let me know that I was loved, and she also helped me to become educated, and she supported me in different sports and all that sort of thing. But what was most valuable that what my mom gave me is helping me to know what is good and helping me to be a good person. As the gospel has told us what being a good person is, and through being a person of faith. So really, this is what I think is also the primary vocation of mothers, is that idea of instilling the values, the morals, and the faith in your children, and knowing that this is a very unique way that you as mothers get to do that. And so we do want to affirm that. And also to recognize that all of us, one way or another, can be helping and affirming mothers to be able to accomplish uh, their primary vocations as well, and so we do, uh, we do ask God to help with that. You'll notice in the gospel today that, that Jesus is saying that, yes, follow my commandments if you love me, but he also says, I don't leave you orphans, that I will give you the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be there to help you and to give you the strength to be able to do that, and so mothers just realize you're not alone in this. It's not just you and you against the world, but you also can have some help around you. And so other family members and your children can be also part of the team to help you to be the mother that God called you to be. And the church can help you to do that as well. So at this time, if you're comfortable, I'd like to ask all the mothers to please stand. And we have a book of blessings uh, that, come from, that comes from the church, and I want to offer that to mothers at this time.